0: This is the Mangled Mind Podcast with Steve Shelton. Welcome to the Mangled Mind Podcast. That song, Dancing Alone, by Joyce Fenderella Irby, really makes me want to get up and dance. It's a wonderful tune and I want to thank her for letting us use it. On today's program, I'm talking to Heather. She maintains a Facebook page called My Life as a Multiple, where she has more than 11,000 followers. For several years, she's been raising awareness for pregnancy loss, infant loss, and mental health. Why? Well, she lost a daughter at nine months back in 2016 and had a miscarriage in 2019. And on top of all that, she has dissociative identity disorder. I have a link to her page on my website, themangledmind.com. For anyone looking for it, Heather is a survivor. She grew up in a foster home, was later diagnosed with DID, and today is a stay-at-home mom. Heather, thank you for being here. Thank you. These past few years have been a bit rough for you, haven't they? Oh, yeah. I'm very sorry for the loss of your daughter and your unborn baby. I've never had any children, so I can't imagine. I've only had cats, and it's not even close to being the same thing.
1: Yeah, I have cats, too.
0: It's a great thing that you're doing, getting information out there and helping women as well as people with DID. I'm just focusing on DID, and that's keeping me busy full time. I commend you for the work you're doing to help guide people along. Thank you. Okay, DID, when were you diagnosed?
1: I don't remember the exact year, but it was after my daughter had died.
0: Was it because of your daughter's death? Were you seeing someone?
1: I mean, I had been in therapy in and out of my life because I was in the foster care system until I was 19 and it was court ordered when I was younger. And then my foster mother took me to therapy because I was trying to kill myself all the time in middle school and high school. So uh, she took me to therapy and then when I left her house, I started seeking therapy because I mean, I knew that I needed it for some reason because I was self-destructive and I didn't totally understand why. I kind of seeked it on my own on and off for a while too. Mm.
0: Dissociative Identity Disorder is born out of trauma, and it's almost always trauma when we were children. To hear you going through things when you were a teen and in the foster system, a lot of that adds up to, unfortunately, the typical person who has DID. There's a lot of bad things that happened when we were kids and our mind fractured to try to protect us. How old were you when you were actually diagnosed, do you think?
1: I was in my 20s, my, okay. probably my early 20s. That's
0: that's also typical. Right. Did you start experiencing blackouts?
1: I had already experienced them throughout my life and I didn't know what was going on. And I'd also have like episodes where I like spaced out a lot, just staring into nothing. One of my teachers actually said it looked like I was dissociating, but he didn't say dissociative identity disorder.
0: I thought I was going crazy when I was a kid. I would miss time. Suddenly, it would be a day later, and I didn't know what happened the day before. Or I'd be an hour later, or even you know, just a few minutes later. I would space out, just like you said, and it's like, I'm there, but I'm not there. It makes you feel like you're going insane.
1: Oh, yeah, it definitely does.
0: Did you experience any dramatic time loss?
1: I don't remember most of my life, honestly, so probably.
0: Your childhood... Is kind of like a blank, isn't it? Basically. If we sit down and really try hard, I don't say meditate, I hate the word meditate. If we try hard to think about it and start putting things together, we start remembering, but then that sometimes triggers another episode. And that's what would happen to me. I remember times and there are not a lot of good times. And when I remember the good times, I would start thinking about why don't I remember before this and after this? And then suddenly I black out. And I come to, you know, a few hours later going, "Uh uh-oh, what happened? Yeah. You are doing a number of things to help people. It's not just with DID. You're also focusing on women who have great losses in their lives.
1: Yeah. Mostly pregnancy and infant loss because I experienced both.
0: You lost one child when they were a few months old?
1: Nine months. Yeah. That was pretty traumatic.
0: Did it trigger more episodes of lost time?
1: Well, not only that, but I formed new alters from it because it was so traumatic.
0: Do your alters have names?
1: For the most part.
0: How did you find out that you had alters? My left notes for me. That's the only way I found out. I was in my late teens when that happened.
1: That's actually what happened to me or someone else would be talking to me and be like, do you go by such and such name? And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about?
0: It's scary, isn't it? How do they know me? And how do they know me by this name?
1: Right. There was one time when I was in high school, you know how you give each other valentines to your classmates? One said Lauren and gave it to me and I'm like, "Oh, what? <laughs>
0: Lauren. Oh, Oh, trampy Lauren has been messing around with someone and got you a valentine. That's one way to look at it.
1: So I was like, what the heck is going on?
0: Did it scare
1: you when you saw that? Part of me was a little bit scared. I was just like, okay, maybe she just doesn't know my actual name. So she put down a name.
0: But then you're second guessing going, maybe she did think that was my name. And how did she think that? Yeah. I don't like the way that our system runs when children are put in foster care. It's very destructive for kids. Some are very lucky to get into a home with someone who is responsible and takes care of them. And then there are others who are not. It's just the flip of the coin. It's bad because the system is so overwhelmed. Social workers are working from morning till night, and there's never a light at the end of the tunnel. And if there is a light, it's probably a train coming at them. It's bad.
1: My foster mom wasn't the most horrible person ever. I lived with her from 2 to 19, give or take. She wasn't the most horrible person ever, but she definitely wasn't perfect. She's narcissistic, and she gaslights. She even still says they gaslights me, and she doesn't tell me how horrible I am anymore or how ugly I am anymore. What
0: the fuck? I can't believe she would call you ugly. You're not ugly. That's just mean. It's narcissistic, as you pointed out. Right. They want to bring you down so it makes them look better. That's just cruel. I was bullied at school and I know what it's like to be put down and to be demeaned and how that makes one feel. Sorry to hear that. You survived a lot of shit along the way to get where you are. Your Facebook page. My life is a multiple. You have 11,000 followers. I'm impressed. What got you involved in that?
1: Yeah, I started it after my daughter was born. So it took me seven years.
0: Are you having dissociative incidents now, or do you have them under control?
1: They're actually, for the most part, under control. It took a lot of therapy, but I can ground myself to where they don't happen as often. One of the main things when my daughter was born was no one is allowed to be around if they don't know how to take care of a child. So that was the main thing was her safety. And then when my son was born, obviously, same thing applied.
0: That's that's a wonderful rule to have. Right. You're living down in St. Louis now?
1: For the most part. I haven't actually moved in with my boyfriend, but I'm here more often than I'm not.
0: <laughs> it's like on the Big Bang Theory when Leonard's girlfriend, Dr. Stephanie, moved in one toothbrush at a time, and he didn't realize it till she was already there. Do any of your alters come out when you're not expecting it?
1: Yeah. My boyfriend now he's met a couple and talks to them sometimes, but it's nowhere near as bad as it's been in the past.
0: Has he met Lauren? No. No. <laughs> how many altars do you believe you have?
1: Around thirty.
0: Wow. And are all of them full fledged formed altars or are some of them fragments that just appear when they're needed for something and go away?
1: I think a couple maybe fragments, but I'm not one hundred percent positive.
0: Can you communicate internally with your other parts because of my amnesia barrier I've never been able to but some people can either from the very beginning or as they've gone through therapy what about you
1: we have a notepad on our phone and that's how we communicate
0: you're like okay what the hell happened now Just... why am i getting this note <laughs> i had one that liked to come out at night i would go to bed and i would wake up and there would be smoke smelling clothes next to my bed and i would be <laughs> exhausted and go oh god what did he do and that's the only way I knew that things were happening. They just wouldn't tell me. They would do it.
1: I had a lot come out at night also because my main rule was if no one can take care of the child, no one comes out around the child. So when the child was sleeping, that's when they came out. We early on put in place when we found out we were pregnant. No one is allowed around the child that doesn't have an instinct of know what to do. A child needs bed and diapered and stuff, so on and so forth.
0: That's good. Before you had your children, did your alters pretty much do whatever they wanted to, leaving you holding the bag?
1: Basically, they didn't do anything like really serious, like killing one, but...
0: They had their own social life. Yeah. That's what I find so fascinating about this disorder is we have these others inside us that have their own memories, their own personalities, and all they want to do is live their own lives regardless of whether we want them to or not. It's a struggle.
1: Right, right.
0: Did you have friends in high school who knew what was going on?
1: Not really, but I talked to mostly older men online, which got me in trouble because I was so lonely and didn't have friends.
0: Heather, that's common. Because of the trauma we went through, we reach out for whatever friendship and companionship we can find because we didn't get that where we were supposed to. In my case, it made me more vulnerable to sexual abuse. I mean, I was abused from the time I was age four until I was 14.
1: Yeah. Mine was like a whole cornucopia of things.
0: Ooh, the C word. I love it. Cornucopia. I haven't heard or used that in a long time. So unfortunately, your abuse was all over the place.
1: Yeah. I went through physical abuse, sexual abuse. I grew up a Catholic, so there's religious abuse. I went through just about all of it.
0: (laughs) I do this program for a reason, to put a face on our disorder. And the face of our disorder is almost always sexual abuse as children. And we're from two different generations. And I can tell you, things haven't changed. When I was growing up, they swept it under the rug. They didn't talk about it. They didn't report it. And no one went to jail for it. These days, they still sweep it under the rug. Nobody talks about it. Nobody wants to hear about it. And oftentimes it's not reported. I don't know if you reported yours. I had nobody to report to when I was a kid.
1: I was taken away from my biological parents. It was reported. My biological dad who raped me and abused me and neglected me was actually given visitation rights till I was 18.
0: That infuriates me. They gave the motherfucker visiting rights and he was the one molesting you. You know, that's what's wrong with this system in this country. I don't know what to say. You said you were two when you went into the system, so you were a toddler when this was going on.
1: Yeah, my biological mom was nuts, too.
0: She had to have known what was happening.
1: Oh, yeah. She admitted to me later on that she caught her dad abusing me, touching me inappropriately, and still took me over to her dad's house, who was my biological grandfather. Why would you—are you insane?
0: I don't get it. Do you remember any of it? No. Well, thank God for that. That could have been when your mind fractured and your DID came into being. I remember being abused at four. I remember my mother walking in the room, turning around and walking out. And she later tried to say, you couldn't have remembered that. And then I pointed out that I remembered all these other things at that age. Why wouldn't I remember that? But after that, you went into the foster care system and they gave these people visiting privileges with you.
1: Just my biological dad, though.
0: Oh, just the one that was raping you. That's (laughs) nice. You know, at least they narrowed right. it down.
1: Yeah. I didn't meet my biological mom until I was an adult, and I regret that.
0: It's kind of like trying a food you've never eaten, and you take that first bite, and you go, oh my God, what did I just eat? Uh, for me, that was peeps. The little, You know the little peeps that you get around Easter time, the marshmallow things?
1: Yeah, I, lo- I hate peeps.
0: Oh, I always forget how bad they are. I will buy a packet thinking, oh my God, I've been wanting to taste this since the last time I tasted it. And I'll take a bite, and it's like, oh, my God, now I remember why I hate these. And you met your biological mother and went, oh, my God, why did I do this? Yeah. I have ADHD, so I tend to bounce from topic to topic, which makes the editing of these podcasts a nightmare. You're still having dissociative incidents.
1: It's normal. It's not going to go away completely.
0: I agree with you. I don't believe DID ever goes away. I think the alters are always there. They might be lurking in the background, dormant, but I don't believe they're ever gone. I've met a couple of people who thought that they integrated, but they didn't have memories of their alters' activities. If you integrate, if they become part of you, doesn't it make sense that once that happens, you will remember the things they did during blackouts? But they don't. And for that reason, I believe that integration generally does not exist. I could be wrong. I'll probably get some mail over this. Have your alters been giving you any problems lately?
1: Well, not really. As far as I know, they like talking to my boyfriend because he's very supportive and he tries to get to know them.
0: That's great that you have a partner who understands them and knows what they can do and when they come out. That can be very helpful. What's the worst things your alters have ever done? I like asking this question.
1: I don't know. I've done a lot of crazy stuff.
0: Okay, you might as well open up because there's no way that your altars did anything worse than mine did. Unless, of course, you assassinated someone.
1: I didn't do anything that crazy. If it wasn't too out there like robbing banks.
0: Well, you got me there. Okay, mental health therapy. I live in Florida, and I've been trying to find a therapist in my area who specializes in DID so I could see them. And given the fact this whole state is batshit crazy, you'd think we'd have a lot of therapists here that dealt with it. But I can't find anyone here. There's one person, and he's been closed to new patients since I moved down here. Are you seeing anyone right now?
1: Yeah, I just got a new therapist.
0: Are they familiar with DID enough to be able to help you?
1: I literally just saw her.
0: I hope she works out for you because therapy is so important for those of us with this disorder and any mental disorders, to be honest. Fortunately, there are some online programs that I've been involved with. One is a peer group through NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Health, and I attend that one or two times a month. The other one is also a peer group called Multiplied by One Org, and that's specific for people with DID or OSDD. Those groups have been extremely helpful for me for almost a year now. For anyone interested in those organizations or looking for help, I do have links to them and others on my website, themangledmind.com. Just look in the resources tab. You literally just got a new therapist. Yeah. So you haven't opened up to her about your DID yet? No. Did you vet her before you you went to her to see what she was specialist in?
1: No. I was trying to look for someone down here that would take my insurance, and I found them.
0: That's frustrating. I encourage you to open up to her. Here's the reason why. I ignored my illness for 20-something years. By ignore, I meant I hid it from people. I didn't seek the proper therapy. I was in therapy for six years, and for four of those years, I never told the therapist that I was having dissociative incidents. That, I was in my 30s by the time that happened. By then, my life was a dumpster fire along the way. I encourage people who are having issues to talk to someone and be open about any kind of blackouts, any kind of lost time, any kind of alters activities, all of that. Unless you do, things can get out of control. Mine resulted in catastrophic consequences, and I went to prison for nine years. So you have a boyfriend who understands things, and that's wonderful because you've got to have that other person there to be able to talk to about this shit i didn't because i wouldn't open up open up to your therapist that's my recommendation okay where do you see yourself in 10 years
1: i want to eventually move down to the st louis area i'm already starting to build my life here i still need to get a new cardiologist because i have heart problems i need to get a new neurologist because i suffer from severe migraines so there's still some things that i need to do Otherwise, I'm trying to get everything down here as much as possible. I'd want to eventually get all that done.
0: You have your plate full, don't you?
1: Yeah, and then I can continue going to Ohio to visit my adopted mom. She's an amazing person.
0: This is not the one who raised you from two until you were... 18
1: no she's a completely different person i met her 13 years ago through my ex chris who's currently in prison she went to visit him in the psych ward and we met through him when we got out of the psych ward we started dating and we went over to their house all the time she actually took me aside and was like hey you know that chris is abusive and i'm like what no well you should always listen to the ex's mom
0: bravo to her she not only ran him over the bus, she backed over his ass. She tried to protect you. That is great. Most mothers wouldn't do that, I don't think. I could be wrong, but I don't think so.
1: Yeah. At first, I didn't believe her, but then we got close because we were both victims of Chris. So that's basically how that started.
0: Did she literally adopt you, or did you just call her your adoptive mom?
1: I was an adult by the time I met her, so there was no like legal obligation to adopt me.
0: Right, but you can but adopt adults. You know, That's, that's true. That happens.
1: But I legally changed my name after I became an adult, so it was kind of like adoption without legal adoption.
0: So you legally changed your last name to the last name of the woman who was the mother to your ex-boyfriend because you became close after she warned you that he was an abuser. That sounds like a soap opera.
1: Yeah, we are really, really close. I've been in her life for 13 years now.
0: That's fantastic. So you have two people that you can talk to who are close to you that you love and that is your current boyfriend and your adoptive mother yeah good for you it must be hard thinking about moving far away from her like you are now
1: oh yeah because in september she had a massive heart attack and she wasn't even supposed to survive but she did we did not cope with that well
0: did you start having more dissociative incidents
1: sort of i did other stuff too
0: destructive heather yeah You went on a warpath. Yeah. Did you have any dissociative incidents because of the stress of the heart attack?
1: That's probably why I'm still having them because I haven't really coped with that well. She's like the closest person I have besides my boyfriend, obviously.
0: What's happening now? Are you losing a lot of time?
1: No, not a lot. Just here and there. Sam comes out sometimes, Trista does. Who's Sam? Sam is my protector. She's been around since I was six I first attempted suicide.
0: And who's Trista?
1: She's been around since I was in my 20s, so I think she's one of the ones that was made after my daughter died or somewhere around that area.
0: Or she was there all along and you just didn't know about her.
1: That's possible too. She's more depressed and self-destructive than I am, and I'm pretty depressed and self-destructive.
0: Have any of your alters tried to hurt themselves and you found out about it later?
1: Yeah, I have had them do some crazy stuff before, so yeah.
0: You survived. I give you props for that. So what do you want to do at this point?
1: I mostly just like try to grow my page, my life as a multiple, and I try to raise awareness for mental health and pregnancy and infant loss. I write poetry. I don't know if you noticed that.
0: Actually, I did see it on your Facebook page. It's quite nice.
1: People have told me, oh, you should publish your poetry. And I'm like, no, that's not what I want. I don't want to do that.
0: One of these days, you may be ready to put it into some kind of a publication.
1: It just kind of depends on, like, if I'm in the mood to keep writing or not.
0: (laughs) I advise you keep at it. I stopped writing for 25 years. If I had kept it up, I might have a writing career. And I don't now because of that. I had a bad agent at the time. It was 1995, and I was practicing law in Chicago. I had been looking for an agent, and I found one who worked in the building across from me. She wanted to see the draft I was working on. I had written a legal thriller, and I showed it to her. She proceeded to make copies and send it out. When it was not ready, the incident embarrassed me so much that I stopped writing. I recently completed a draft of a memoir, and we'll see where that goes, but I lost a lot of time. Don't give up on something you enjoy. You might want to publish it one day. You never know.
1: Right. And I read a lot, too.
0: What What do you read?
1: I will read just about anything as long as it's interesting to me. I read a lot of history and a lot of true crime.
0: You don't find any of it triggering?
1: When it has to do with children, yes. I have to put it down for a minute, but otherwise, not really. I'm a pretty morbid person, so. You've reached a point
0: in your life where things seem to be looking better for you. Yeah. Heather, thank you so much for coming on the program today. You're delightful. I wish you best of luck with everything. Keep writing your poetry. You never know when you'll want to put that into a publication. It's pretty good. I'll keep following you on your Facebook page. My life is a multiple. And thank you very much for being here. If you're in the United States and are considering self-harm, please call 988 for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. This has been the Mangled Mind Podcast, and I'm Steve Shelton. You can write to me at stephenshelton at themangledmind.com or go to my website, themangledmind.com. Until next week, stay safe and have good mental health.